Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast and uh, another special show tonight. Yes, uh, we're continuing our wonderful and great fun to do series, The 50 Years of Chelsea, which started uh, about the same time as the first lockdown when we ran out of football to talk about, really. So we came up with this idea. We started in nineteen. We started in the year nineteen sixty nine to seventy when Chelsea won the FA Cup, and uh, we've been we've been doing them. We did a whole lot in one go, and then we've been doing them sporadically since then. And a lot of people have told us how much they like them. And uh, tonight we're going to do nineteen ninety eight to nineteen ninety nine, which is quite a favourite season of mine. Uh, and I'm of course Stamford Chidge, and as ever, I have the wonderful Mister Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show, and. Um... Looking forward to a season that uh, I was unbelievably enthusiastic about. And I went to, to nearly every league game this season. Home and away? And I, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean, Chidge. I would have said I missed all the away games if I had. Did you go to Majorca? No, no, I, but I, I didn't so you go get to... all of them then? No, no, no. I said every league game. Oh, OK. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, did. No, I went to... you did, to be oh, fair. I, I went to a mass of, um, of away, of European games as well. But I, and... Uh, and NFA Cup and League Cup, but uh, the league games where I was utterly consistent because I was thought we were going to win it. I was convinced. Yeah, me too. We'll get on to that later. We'll get on to it. Yes, we? and uh, I'm delighted to say uh, that we have with us tonight the brains of another, uh, you know, of an otherwise no-brain outfit, uh, the wonderful Mark Meehan, who is an encyclopedia of Chelsea knowledge. If he doesn't know it, then nobody would. So there you go. Lovely to see you, Mark. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, haven't we, doing this one? We we have indeed. I think we've postponed it on a few occasions. So, yes, looking forward to it this evening. A season of, you know, what might have been. Yes. The hope that kills you, uh, I think, was, uh, as a term, was devised for this season. But again... We'll get on to that. Um, now, before we kick off, uh, just a quick reminder, because this is a show where I don't like to do, you know, the usual plugs. Obviously, I leave that to the, the normal Monday shows, apart from this one, because I think it's quite pertinent, because we put a lot of time and effort into doing these particular shows. They're slightly different from the normal ones. Uh, and uh, if you do like them, if you approve of what we do, uh, you, can, uh, you can thank us with, with money. It's that simple. Uh, but not a lot, not a lot of money and pennies would be fine. But we've got a Patreon account, as you probably all know by now. In fact, there are probably people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who also know this. But uh, as I said, uh, for a few quid a month, uh, it helps me to carry on doing what we do. So uh, you can donate whatever you want per show, per month, really, actually, rather than per show. And uh, it's at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And uh, if you do do that, then I will send you in the post a mini Kerry Dixon banner. And of course, uh, you get access privileges to our Discord group, which is great fun, particularly on a match day when it all goes a bit mental. So there you go. Now, um, we always start these shows with a fashion uh, piece, really. I suppose you could call it that. Uh, and uh, I can... T- well, so basically we talk about the kits because we, we all love some of these older kits, you see. And uh, I, have to t- I have to inform you that uh, the kit in 1998-1999, the home kit is exactly the same as it was in 1997-98. So I'm not going to talk about that too much. It was a two-year thing then, wasn't it? Was it was a two-year yeah. thing. I think weren't they officially supposed to keep it for two years? It wasn't that passed by the FA? I don't time. know. You may well be right. You may well be right. I I there, was a lot, there were lots of complaints about football 
um, uh, being too expensive for people and the the venality of the the greed of the clubs by I like uh, that the venality of the clubs. Yeah, I thought I ought to explain what it meant though. I suddenly oh. thought oh, I'm not sure I know what I'm talking about. Um, Greedy, so, um, greed indeed. Greed. The greed of the clubs was it was. I remember highlighted in the press as being uh, they're, they're excluding um, children in particular by forcing them to, uh, not that you'd be forced to buy a kit, but you, you uh, parents wanted to buy them for them, kits that were unbelievably expensive. And I thought that the, the, I thought the, uh, the powers that be got involved and said it ev had to be every two years because the clubs wanted to do it every, every year. But as now, nobody cares. And it's every, every year plus changes as much as possible, isn't it? You get... Um, you get new kits. What was that bizarre kit we came up with? Chelsea came up with recently with, with uh, some as if somebody had drawn on it with. I, felt I don't think that was real though, because they didn't wear it. It was just that was just wank to fleece unsuspecting idiots, wasn't it? No, but that's the point. Well, I'm making that now. That it was the, never a kit that was worn. No, on no, the but, it, but it, no, but nonetheless, it's still something that I'm sure would have been frowned upon. Would never have happened. In I think there's a difference between kit and merch, and I think that, okay, okay. that was merch. Yeah, that was merch. Okay, For me, still, a kit is it's something. Still a kit. You'll still get a kid though looking at it, thinking, well, "Daddy, I want that. I want that." Even more, even more venal of the clubs in that in that case. Indeed. Now listen. So we got the same blue kit, which I, I kind yeah. of like. It's all right. It's not, I one, loved of my, it. it's not one of my favourites. I'll be honest with you, but it's all right. But I have Chid, to say, can I make a remark though. This about it. Sorry to interrupt you again. I actually think the colour of this kit was slightly different. No, I agree. It's too light. I think it would. No, 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 no. The previous season, it was even lighter. I don't. I thought it was slightly different this year. I thought they somehow they darkened it a bit. It looked slightly more Chelsea blue. Oh, is this is this in my mind? Mm, I think it's in your mind because it's, it's the same kit. It's the same I kit. And I and it is. We. I remember we talked about it on the ninety seven ninety eight show. and Said it's not blue enough. It's too. It's too light. No, no, no. It's still too yeah, light. Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's all right because they more than made up with it uh, with some two absolutely gorgeous and beautiful away kits. And I think. Unusually, we've now got a third away kit. Well, not unusually, it's not as if it hasn't happened before, but there is a wonderful all-white uh, kit with blue trimmings. And uh, the other one, the uh, the third away kit, is uh, is a beautiful yellow kit with, again, dark, you know, kind of navy blue trimmings, as modelled, as modelled tonight, for those of you listening in black and white, <laughs> by uh, Mr Mark Meehan. And it does it. It's bloody marvellous, mate, isn't it? And who's your sign by? It's signed by our captain, Dennis Wise. There we go. Who had, you know, who had I'm amazed he reached that. I'm, I'm amazed he reached that high up to sign it, mate. That's that's impressive. <laughs> it's got a lovely little collar. That's what I like about it as well, isn't it? The uh, the little um, black and white collar that goes with the uh, the rest of the um, the yellow. It's just it's it's navy a, blue, mate. It's, sorry, I'm so sorry. Of course, it's navy blue. It's uh, it's an exceptional kit, Chidge. Absolutely agree with you. They both both away kits were, yeah. and I was fond of the first. So I thought it was a good season for. The kit. Yeah, I, re I, I, I honestly, mate, I love, I love those two away kits. Always have done. So, uh, I'm very jealous of the fact Mark's got one. And I know because Mark was on Twitter earlier and he uh, was posting that. And uh, there's a lot of people who've got those kits signed as well, which is really good. So there we go. So we approve of the kits, uh, which is always a good start to the show. <clears throat> there have been shows when we've disapproved of them entirely. So this is a good start tonight. Now uh, we always, of course, always start with the uh, ins and outs. And uh, it was a fairly busy, uh, you know, summer. Um, of course, the the main headlines were the fact that we bought uh, Pierre Luigi Casiraghi from Lazio for five point four million, and uh, also Brian Laudrup, uh, who came from Rangers for a free, because of course Bosman is now in full effect. We also got uh, Albert Albert Ferrer uh, from Barcelona for two point two million, and Mikel Forsell. 
came uh, to us for free from Helsinki. And the other massive, mahusive signing was Marcel Desai, who came in from AC Milan for 4.6 million. And uh, Luca Picassi came in from Atlanta for free. And Robert Wollaston uh, was promoted from Duyouf. Uh Out went David Rowcastle, which is always, I always, I always get sad when I think of David Rowcastle. Uh, Rude Hullet officially retired, although, of course, Chelsea had retired him some months earlier. I'll say no more about that. Uh, Danny Granville went to uh, Leeds for 1.6 million. Nick Colgan went to Bournemouth for free. Mark Steen, Steeny went to uh, Bournemouth for free. Uh, the right honourable Mark Hughes, MBE, uh, transferred to Southampton for 650 grand. And dear old uh, Frank Sinclair went to Leicester for 2 million. So it was a very busy summer. Now, I, I, I'm going to talk to Mark about this first, JK, but the first thing I'm going to say is. I had for completely forgotten about Luca Picassi, and I kind of thought, who is this guy? Is he some character from The Godfather or something? Lu- Luca Picassi sleeps with the fishes. I forgot completely about this bloke. Remind me of Luca Picassi. He was a 17-year-old we signed from Atlanta, but I think he only made, I think, one appearance for Chelsea. So it's a very, very brief Chelsea career. Yeah. yeah, blimey. There we go. I felt it was an attempt to get as many Italian players in the club as possible. Well, the, the problem was with the, with the Viali influence at the club. You know, he he probably yeah. was was shopping in Italy, and if you think as well as bringing Casaraghi in, you know, he brought Desai in from AC Milan. So, you know, they they'd gone shopping in Italy, and probably on the way back, they probably stopped off in Atlanta and picked up the young lad Luca Picassi as one for the future. But again, you know, I think he, I said I think he only played one game. You know, I don't. We'll probably talk about him on a future show. Uh, as an out when he leaves to join an Italian club in the third division. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did crop up. I think it was in a in a worthless cup match. But there you go. I mean, Mark, you you made a very interesting point, which I didn't really understand when you sent me your notes on on this year, which yeah. is um, you reckon that had we not parted ways with Hullet, um, the you know the the previous season, you you kind of it's kind of I'm not sure if it was a question or not. you said would Chelsea have afforded these players, and I'm not really sure what you meant by that. It's the point. Colin Hutchinson made the point um, that when they were negotiating with Hullet the previous season, clearly Chelsea, when they do their transfers, um, for many years have been forward-looking. And I think they were very much looking to the future and really looking to spend big, which clearly, although it doesn't sound a lot now, 12.2 million wouldn't get you much these days, but that was a massive transfer window, you know, and two massive players. And the point Colin Hutchinson and Ken Bates made at the time was with Hullet wanting 3.5 million you know, net, not gross, um, uh, that would have impacted on Chelsea's transfer expenditure in the summer. So it was either pay the manager or buy less players. Right. I think subsequently he would have played a, a different style of football as well to uh, to Viali. So uh, um, it'd be interesting to know, we'll never find out who, who decided that, um, obviously, well, we, we will find out, obviously, uh, um, Luca was involved in it in selling Hughes. I mean, I thought selling Hughes to to Saints was was a season too soon. Actually, I thought Hughes had had a wonderful season the year before, and um, and Kazaragi, I will debate this, was not the replacement I was hoping he would be. Yeah, and, and, I mean, it, there was a lot of hopes. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I know. You, I mean, let's not let's not you know suffer from premature ejaculation if you see what I mean. No, I thought I'd give you a hint. I know. No, because I mean, we're gonna the the, the Kazaragi story is, I think, one of the the features of this season. And actually, as is the Loudrup one. And I think the point here, JK, out of all of these signings, weirdly, uh, I was I, I didn't really know much about Alba Ferrer, to my shame. Uh, I knew about Desai, 
I mean, he was he was brilliant as a midfield player, wasn't he? When uh, Milan won the European Cup with um, old Fabio in charge, I think, wasn't he? Um, so I kind of knew about Desai, but yeah, you know, great, got defender. I was very excited by... I was more excited about Brian Laudrup turning up at the club uh, than I was Kassiragi. And that's possibly because I'm an idiot, you know, because basically he was at the end of his career and he'd been playing for Rangers. But the the, the name Laudrup, the Laudrup brothers had been two of the, the best footballers in Europe. And I was just so excited about that. Well, you and me both, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I, I, uh, I tell me when, if, if I'm speaking out of turn, I just... Um, uh, I think the players like Kazaragi immensely, but um, uh, my my whole um, failure to understand what went on in this season was the fact that Viali only played himself sp- sporadically. That's a good tease, because, I, I mean, actually, funnily enough, that's a question I was going to ask more towards the end of the show, and there's a very good reason for that. Mark, the interesting thing about all of this was that... Um, you know, we we just mentioned Desai there, and the, the, I think this whole season is is really set against the backdrop of you know what had happened in the summer, which was the France '98 World Cup. You know, England had done relatively well with Gl- dear old Glenda, uh, who had been our manager hitherto, and of course France had won it. And 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 suddenly, I mean, th- this is what really excited me actually was the fact that we were going to have. You know, effectively, the world cut the world champions' defense as our defense. Frank Leboeuf and Mar- and uh, Marcel Desai, and I thought, I, I thought, well, that's fucking fantastic. I was just so chuffed about that. No, I, I'd agree. I think if you look at it, I, I, I would agree that Laudrup was probably the most exciting signing, but he didn't cost any money. Kazaragi was the most expensive, and at the time, it was a record fee for Chelsea. But the player, you were going, wow. You know, is Desai. You know, we've signed one of the world's greatest defenders, and and this is quite strange about this season as well because at the start of the season, Viali doesn't even play him in defence. He actually played him in midfield for a lot of games. You know, at the very start of the season, our defence was Michael Dubry and Frank Leboeuf. Yeah, so there was that. You know, hang on a minute, we've bought the best defender in the world, and we're not even. Yeah, but he, in- but he was a good midfielder too. I mean, oh, it, it, was, it, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, good yeah. midfield player as well, but. Yeah, you're excited thinking you would have the World Cup back two centre backs playing together with Leboeuf from Desailly because they were the France '98s uh, centre half pairing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He got it, the it, he got the yeah back eventually, but yeah, I think of all the signings, I would say Desailly was the one to be most excited about in terms of you know he's 30 years of age. We have signed a world class player, but Laudrup's up behind. But history will show of those signings, probably the best signing long term probably turned out to be Albert Ferrer. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, I, 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 yeah, I mean, Albert Ferrer, I didn't know a lot about and I grew to love him. Absolutely. Not least because of the wonderful song. Albert, Albert Ferrer, everyone knows his name. Yeah. And yet he didn't figure very much this season. Well, no, he did. He played. He, he didn't. I'll, I'll tell you. Well, actually, do you know what? I'll tell you now. Cause I tell have, me exactly how often he played. I, I mean, I was bemused by the selections and for most of the season. I, I honestly say I didn't get it. Chappie, get... Chappie played 40 games this season, won a sub. And that's actually, you know, I mean, I, I've highlighted in yellow everybody who played over 25 games because that tends, okay, I'm, that I'm tends to mean they were the regulars. Wrong. That tends to mean they were the regulars throughout the season. So he played a lot. Well, I'm completely wrong then. I was under the impression that he was in and out. I mean, I, I just felt, I never felt that he had an absolutely established team, Viali, for the I know there were injuries. I know that we're going to get onto it later that... Um, 
Um, I keep telling me if I'm being out of turn here, but but Gustavo Poet getting injured, I thought was a terrible blow for the season. Yeah, it was. Well, we are going to um, do that later. It, but, sure. but, yeah, I know, I know, we, I know, but I, I, I'm just trying to work. I'm trying to give you an overview of what I didn't feel the season was um, managed correctly yeah. by the manager. Well, at the moment we haven't started it yet, but uh, no, I'm just telling you what you know. What Albert Ferrer, I loved, but I think I disagree with Mark. Going back to the original point. I, I think I think that out of those signings, surely Marcel Desai has to be considered the best one. I mean, he stayed with us, you know, for a long time. He captained the club, you know, he won lots of things. Why, what? No, no, I'm looking on a game-by-game -game basis. And I think, yeah, I, I can understand why JK might not think Ferrer played much. The beauty about Albert Ferrer is he never, he's a bit, he's a bit like Davies, you know, has been for us for, uh, for, for a number of years now. He never had a bad game, Ferrer. He was all seven out, yeah. seven out of ten, a consistent player. Never, never, and and you sometimes forget he was there. He was, he was just a good, good right back. So actually, the song should be Albert, Albert Ferrer. Everyone forgets he's there. Nobody knows he's there. Nobody right. knows. Nobody he's knows there. he's there. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. I like yeah. that. A lot. For I'm, me, I'm, guess why he was a big game player. A you brilliant... know, we talked. About, we've talked about that before. I didn't. I I found him a bitter disappointment, Desai, for me. In this team, I didn't think he, he he should have been the best player. We should have been doing what we're doing with Thiago Silva about him, and uh, and we didn't. And I I didn't think he I felt he he he, he only expressed himself in in big games. Yeah, and it I, was I, brilliant. It brilliant. Want somebody? Want in Champions oh, League, we we'll get there. We're time But against Liverpool, the Man United, he was superb. Watford away, yeah. wasn't interested. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Um, I mean, the ambition for this season, I mean, in a way, had been set by by some of these signings. Um, and I mean, Viali, Viali made it pretty clear that, that the target for this season was, you know, obviously to do better than last season, but really to compete in the Premier League and secure a Champions League qualification, something we hadn't hadn't done before. And I, I thought it was interesting. You get, I, I mean, I remember it as well, actually, you know, at the time. I mean, Arsenal and uh, United uh, were in the middle of their hege hegemony and... You know, it was a re it was quite. You know, Liverpool still were a very you know up and down side, so we had to kind of break that. But I mean, I I I do think that we were we were certainly with them considered favourites, maybe not for the title, but certainly to win some trophies this year, Mark, weren't we? Oh, definitely. We we were on the cusp here. This is when it really begins. Yeah, that sort of turning point from never getting into the Champions League to sort of like then getting into it on a, a, a Europe on a regular basis. And I think you had that Liverpool side that had come out of the Sooners era, and I think they were managed by Roy Evans, you know, and they were trying to shed that Spice Boy image. So the previous season, yeah, they, they finished third and we finished fourth, and fourth wasn't the Champions League place then. Yeah, But, you know, this probably is like the season where, you know, we, we reached the Champions League for the first time. And I think that that's quite a turning point in, in our history as well. And, you know, yeah, we'll get them in there. But it is for me so much of what, what might have been season. You know, you, we really were that good for the great part, of, you know, and we just ran out of steam in the end. But we'll get there. We'll get we there. will get there. And actually, we're, we're going to kick it off now. And uh, weirdly, um, we, we in our first match, we play Coventry away, which was exactly what we did uh, the season before. Guess what, JK? It's pretty much the damn same result, uh, i.e. we lost 2-1. Um, and uh, our old friend, Dion Dublin, screws us royally. Uh, Desai, Pierluigi, Luigi, Casaraghi, for all made their debuts in that game. 
Um, do, you, do you have many memories of that other than being pissed off? Uh, no, it's nearly all pissed off. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Huckabee scored decent player, very decent player. Thought he he he, he put himself about well. That, that sounds as if he's rough. But no, he was very nippy. Scored a decent goal. Um, there was that uh, song "Stand Up If You've Won the Cup" was um, was uh, was being uh, sung by everybody. And um, uh, and uh, Poyet scored with a great header. Um, uh, Kazaragi was a somebody we were looking at to to deliver for us because he was the new very signing. unlucky with a great Thanks. header, wasn't he? Very unlucky that he had a his period at the his period at the club uh, was constantly unlucky. That's what I'd call him. Constantly in decent positions and hitting the post, yeah. having great saves. Um, he wasn't blessed with a great deal of luck no. in his Chelsea career, Kazaragi. Let's be honest. Whoa. But but I'm afraid to say I was such a Hughes fan. I kept trying to work out why um, we'd bought him and sold Hughes. But uh, so uh, um, perhaps that tells you the the way that I felt about the situation. Very nippy player did get forward. We seem to rely heavily in this season on um, uh, in a position where you'd think. Uh, a better pass would be it's a wonderful pass, but a long ball. There seemed to be a long ball over the top, frequently played by Zola, who had a completely brilliant season. Um, and we had very good players to to run onto these things. Um, and yet they were. Uh, um, I think he he could possibly have delivered had his season carried on. But I'm giving the game away here. You are indeed. Uh, we follow that up, Mark. I mean, I, I won't. I won't. Uh, uh, you know. Um, you know. Make you return to the pain of. Uh, of Highfield Road, uh, we then drew one all with uh, with Newcastle, uh, who at that time were managed by Kenny Dalglish. Uh, but the most notable thing about that, of course, was uh, Babiaro's first goal for Chelsea. Good old Celeste, another one with a great chant, which I think we must have done last time round. One Baba, two Baba, three Baba. That one. Whoa, yeah. Babiaro! Babiaro, uh, yeah. So, and the, the somersault celebration. That's right. And this was um, Kenny Dalglish's last game in it charge, was. if I remember rightly, because a certain Dutch gentleman takes over you know, the following game. He does indeed. Rude and, it. and then he takes Steve Clark with him as well, which is another disappointment seeing Steve Clark go. He does indeed. That's the beginning of Clarkie's coaching career. Uh, where of course, and you're, and you're right. Rude Hullet goes and manages uh, Newcastle, and then fights with Alan Shearer, much to everybody's hilarity, uh, by by leaving him out of the side most of the time. Love it. Uh, there's nothing like egos in football, is there? Um, now, uh, the, the, I mean, really, for me, like, I mean, you know, and I know a lot of people don't really count these, but I do. Uh, I think the best thing about um, August, really, for Chelsea, was that we picked up. I mean, this is a good question, actually, J.K. Did we pick up our first season, uh, first trophy of the season? Or our last trophy of the previous season when we won the uh, Waffa Super Cup in in uh, Monaco, beating Real Madrid 1-0 with an absolutely blinding goal by uh, Gustavo Poyet. Gustavo Poyet, um, who this season was absolutely brilliant and um, um, until his injury. But um, uh, a good point, Chidge, actually. I don't know where these things hang, do they? It... Um, uh, it's. I think it should be the first trophy of the of the new season because it's a different manager and he's playing a different style and he's chosen different players. I think that should be it. And yet, um, uh, they're so near the previous season and it's a consequence of having won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Perhaps it's a, a hangover. Regardless, they won it with a great performance against a, a, one of the top sides in Europe. Well, so they, I... And it gave us great hope for the season. 
that's that was the I thing. I think that's that, exactly wow. that. It carries a bit, a bit like this season winning winning, yeah. winning it. You know, funnily enough, how funny how history repeats itself. But I I, I was really chuffed because I mean. Uh, I mean, actually, as as we as we now know, I don't think we've ever lost to Real Madrid in a competitive match. But uh, I like the symmetry of beating them in the uh, Cup Winners' Cup in '71. And as as uh, J.K. was saying, Mark, they were a very good side. I mean, they were not, you know, they they didn't put out a B team by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, they were ma- they were managed by Gus Hiddink. They were, they were indeed. Yeah, Hiddink, Hiddink was manager. This this is quite a big win. Yeah. I know it's a Super Cup, and people may have different viewpoints, but at the time. Yeah, this was a big win as far as Chelsea fans are concerned. It was a European trophy, and we'd beaten Real Madrid, who were the European Cup holders. Yeah, this was a big win. Let let me just run through who's in the Real Madrid side that we beat. Bodo Ilner, who was the German keeper. Believe it or not, Christian Panucci, soon to be of this parish. Uh, Roberto Carlos, Fernando Hierro, uh, Sanchez, Redondo, Raul, an absolute legend at Real Madrid, Miatovic, decent player. Yarni was a decent player. Seedorf, an absolute legend. Uh, Savio, another good player. Christian Carembo, a World Cup winner with France. And uh, the Scouser, Fernando Morientes. So, you know, they were a good side. <laughs> <laughs> he is Scouse, isn't he? Morientes. No, he did. You're right. He did play for Liverpool. Fernando yeah, Mor- Morientes. Mor- Morientes um, comes back to haunt us. He uh, does. With later them. when he plays for Monaco he but does, yeah, yeah. He, he played for Liverpool for a while as well yeah. he does indeed I mean they've got they've got Ivan Campo and Gutti on the bench as well I mean that so I, I think this was massive I, and it pisses me off actually that, that I don't think this this trophy gets enough you know plaudits really because I think that was a massive win for us uh, I, I personally at the time was convinced we'd be drubbed very, very well, easily because they were so I, good. As was yeah. I, mate. So I, I, I half didn't keep an eye on it. I just expected it to be rather embarrassing. You know, you do that with certain, you think, oh, no, which was, you know, more for me because uh, we did have some terrific players. I mean, really fantastic, you know. So, um, you know, it was a great, uh, great victory. And one that um, the very fact that we won it again this year with, with such joy um, when I'm, I'm, I'm much more clued up on what really we should be liking in terms of our team. It was, um, um, it didn't really have the same impact on me, the Super Cup at the time. You just thought, well, what is it? Is it kind of strange? What is, oh, it's just the, the European champions versus the, the European Cup winners' cup. Oh, well, a one off. Whereas now, and I was thinking, oh, God, that's another trophy to get, isn't it? That really would, it would, it's so excellent. So this was a, looking back, a really terrific victory. Indeed it was, and it was a great goal, as I said. It was Brian Laudrup's debut. Uh, it's our fourth trophy in 15 months and our third European trophy. For me, it counts. Uh, we then move into September, where we uh, have a, a nil-nil, uh, draw, uh, nil-nil draw against the Arsenal. Sorry, that's at home, against the Arsenal. Uh, uh, Vieira, I mean, this, the one, the, tell you what, Mark, the one thing I took away from this match was Vieira absolutely, you know, I mean, it was such a stonewall penalty against Kaziraki. And I, and do you know what I thought? I thought, bloody hell, we moan about the referees today. Oh. But um, I mean, how was that not a penalty? How well, was that not a penalty? It, no, it, I, I, I was watching the video on Sunday and you know, watching it back. And, you know, he just takes Kaziraki out. Yeah. It's, it's a penalty. He's nowhere near the ball at all. Absolutely. But, but it, once again, it, it tells you what the relationship between the linesman and the referee are. The referee's miles away, has made a decision based on what I don't know. And, uh, and, and there's a linesman there who can clearly see it and he's had no role in it at all. It is, 
it, 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 it makes you realize the number of times that happened in that era. And we, we, we are moaning at the refs, but VAR, VAR would have actually sorted that, you know, it would have been, and possibly a, a, a sending off even, it was so vicious, it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it once again, poor old Kasaragi. You just thought, oh no, Mr. Unlucky. Oh, what? And, and it's quite interesting that these games at Arsenal at the time, you know, this, and we talked about in previous shows, you know, there's lots of yellows and red cards every time we seem to play Arsenal. Yeah. And in this game, Lee Dixon gets sent off. He has a spat with the so, so he goes. But Vieira could have gone as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and you wonder whether the referee is thinking that. He's actually thinking, oh, I don't want to send another one off because they've got that. That kind of approach to foot, they don't want to be seen to sending too many, be seen to sending send too many players off. You know, yeah, it's, and, 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 and this after the time, you know, that they were notorious. They'd get about half a dozen players sent off a season under Wenger. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, led by Vieira, and he's he was a bit of a brute of a player. Let's be honest. Um, we get our first win of the season in the next match when we beat Nottingham Forest two one. Uh, Zola scores. Was now here's the thing, Mark. We, we did wonder: is this the was this his quickest goal for Chelsea? Twenty four seconds. Only Chad will know, but I I reckon Chad, it must Chad, be. Chad will know. We, we can ask Chad tomorrow. I, I think it's one of our quickest Premier League goals because uh, I think Johnny Spencer's got a, a quick Premier League goal in about 14 seconds. So I, I think this is probably Zola's quickest goal. I can't think of anyone quicker than 24 seconds. Indeed. Uh, well, Poye... I can't Zola scoring a quicker goal, actually. No, I, I don't think so, time. mate. But uh, even though Kazaragi possibly does take the player out at the time, but once again... Linesman doesn't spot it. Referee doesn't spot it. Becomes a goal, you know. Indeed. Well, Poyo makes it 2-1 on 35 minutes and then Darshville uh, gets one back for Forrest on 69 minutes. We then have another home match uh, against Helsingborgs in the first round of the European Cup Winners' Cup. Of course, we're champions. Um, but it's a bit of ball, like, apart from the fact it was absolutely bloody freezing um, for September as well. Uh, you know, Helsingborg were stubborn. Very, very stubborn. But uh, the deadlock is broken on 43 minutes with a Frank LeBeuf free kick with a little bit of assistance from Dennis Wise, Mark. Yes, um, yeah, Dennis Wise pulls the man out of the wall and Frank shoots it straight in. Yeah, it was bloody cold that night. I was at, I was at the game and this is the defence of our title. We're, we're the Cup Winners Cup holders. Our capacity has gone up to 34,000 and the ground was half empty. Yeah. I noticed that. Why was that? Uh, I'm, well, I'm looking through the programs now, just sort of seeing, like, you know, what was the price charge for this game? You know, so, you know, did did Uncle Ken, because um, around about this time, I can't remember what year, he did do three seat, um, three tickets as a season ticket, but I don't know if that was when we were in the Champions League, you know. But I'm just sort of trying to find, look, looking at the program, how much he charged. Um, yeah, and season ticket holders no longer got um, European games or cup games in their season ticket, yeah. So, yeah, I've found it. European Cup Winners' Cup, first round, home leg. All pay, including season ticket holders, as yeah. follows. So, East Middle was 40 quid. East Upper, 28. Matthew Harding Upper Lower, 23. Shed, 23. Um, kids kids are tenner. Yeah. But then normal match day prices. Yeah. They weren't out of sync with normal match day prices where now, for European games, you know, you know, Chelsea charge sort of like, you know, less than they would for a normal match day. But back then, Uncle Ken was charging Category A prices, son. Yeah, and probably reflected in the 17,000 that turned up. Well, for, for Helsingborgs as well. You yeah. know, yes, I mean, I think, I think the fact it was them as well contributed to the uh, awful thing to say, but it was a, um, a Scandinavian club and not somebody that was a team that was particularly well known. I think that that contributed as well to the uh, 
the low attendance. Oh, oh yeah, a, oh, absolutely. They, they, they were hardly well known, a bunch of part timers, you know, from Sweden. You know, so we should have reduced the prices to get more people in there. You know, you know, just being Chelsea and Cup Winners Cup, you know, holders wasn't going to get people through the door if you're charging sort of like normal match day prices. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it puts it in, in context, doesn't it, chaps? Because I'm I'm paying thirty five quid for my ticket to go and see Juve next week, which is like over, isn't it, like nearly twenty five years later. So, and, and actually, your thirty five quid ticket and mine for Juve next week is cheaper than some of the tickets for this. I game. know that's exactly my point. So, uh, wow. And of course, we've got. I mean, I think I know why Bates did it. I mean, we we had the high, I think it was the highest number of season ticket holders we'd had since. Uh, since that's the right. 60s. 17,000, that's right. Well, not actually since the 60s, because, of course, we didn't have... I mean, you know, it all changed, didn't it? But I think it's possibly the highest we've ever had up to that time. So, you know, he probably didn't want to lose any money by giving the tickets away. Um, right, then we've got a, a match which uh, many people remember very, very fondly. Um, I'm sure both Mark and uh, Jay... Well, I know JK was there, presuming you were there, JK. I was, indeed. And, and you, Mark? No, I wasn't up there. Watched it, watched it on Sky on Monday night. It was yeah. a, it was a yes, it was it was a Monday night Sky, a Monday night football, and it's live with the absolutely onerous, odious Andy Gray. I, I mean, it's really interesting watching the uh, the, the season review video back because it kind of reminds you how what an idiot Andy Gray is and how boring he was. I mean, you know. Anyway, I think it's difficult take to take a boo son at the time though, Chidge, isn't it? It's really tricky. It was exciting I've, at the time. Yes, this it is was. the trouble. You look at it and from, with with different different specs on. You know, there are yeah. some particularly decisions and attitudes. And the as we're going to get onto it, the Liverpool the Liverpool game at home. It, you you it's it, I didn't think at the time that Andy Gray was as you listen to it now and you are um, uh, I don't know. I just you just think you just, oh, I just so, think shut so up over the top. I agree. Yeah. I well, agree. Jonathan Pierce is even worse. Yeah, even where we are, but Europeans. Yeah, He's trying to make a, a name for himself at the time, though, wasn't he, to be different? He yes, was, wasn't he? To be honest, he was. Because he, he had a particular style that was almost European. And he'd, oh, there you go, 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 and all of these noises being made, you know, which uh, he even he doesn't make anymore. You know, so um, it was it was different times, I'm he's afraid. Probably got, he's probably gave, him, gave himself a hernia, mate. It's probably why he doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> but anyway... Um, well, come on then, J.K. Tell us about this match because it is—it's hugely remembered. It was an, a brilliant game. Um, obviously, we well, won, uh, but uh, one, of the, one of the things with hindsight, I remember Sutton scoring a couple of scoring a penalty and a decent goal, and uh, um, and that's probably where somebody looked at him and thought, "Oh, he's a good player. We must buy him." Um, but um, uh, there's, it, you know, it's it's it's. Um, he scores a good goal to make it 1-0. No, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to pause yeah. you there. Sorry, I'm sorry. Zola free kicked. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. Zola free kicked. Um, Zola free kicked. Well, wonderful free kick. Zola completely on fire this season. Absolutely joyous. Passing, skilled, passing players, um, uh, accuracy, free kicks, uh, brilliant goals with both feet. This is, for me, this is absolutely his season. Quite phenomenal performance. Starts with a free kick. Sutton scores a pretty good goal. Zola's then pulled down. Um, um, uh, uh, Flowers says he's got the ball. Absolute rubbish, which Hodgson goes uh, mad about, who was, the, who was the Blackburn manager at the time. And of course, no, he's, you know, he, he's obviously played played Zola. Um, LeBerth scores with a penalty. Then it's 2-2, um, an overhead kick. Uh, Sutton, part. then they, they score um, uh, to make it 3-2. Um, 
Um, so Perry scores on 57. Perry, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. Sutton gets a penalty on 79, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I think um, there's, a, there's a bit of interesting stuff that, ha- that happens here because the first thing, of course, is that Flo comes on as a sub for Casiraghi on 78 indeed, minutes, indeed, a minute a minute indeed. before their penalty. But before that, yeah. this was hilarious. I mean, you know, Mark mentioned uh, Lasso basically having a tear-up with Lee Dixon and Lee Dixon got a red card. Um, basically, this time he has a has a has literally has a fight. I mean, he's pull, he's pulling trying to pull Sebastian Perez's shirt off, who's been trying to pull his shirt off. And they both go down on a heap. So they both get sent off, basically, Lasso and Perez. My kind of game, I have to say. Um, but then, basically, as I said, Flo comes on as a sub on 78 minutes. Then what happens, JK? Um, I think he scores, doesn't he? he yes, Laudrup centre. Um, and it's a, 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 a Flo volley and Flo... Um, his ability to come on as a sub and score goals is quite absolutely brilliant. I mean, he he, for, he was one of my favourite players and I didn't quite understand why he was constantly a sub. But um, uh, whether I've, I've in the mists of time, I've somehow um, uh, expunged, got rid of any um, thoughts of him missing open goals, but he just seemed to score with such regularity um, and his, his ability to uh, just to beat, long loping run to get ahead of people and then stab the ball beautifully and elegantly into the corner and really with great precision was something that will always stay with me um um uh, who scores the final as final goal does he score the fourth one as well yeah, he does. He, long long ball uh, yeah up from uh, who, who, it's another long ball up the pitch. I keep saying we seem to run beautifully off there. He was wonderful at not being offside as well, though I think later on in his career, perhaps he then became more offside. That's why we got fed up with him. Um, but um, um, right over the top, and he latches. I think it was Dimitteo. Well, Dimitteo, I think Robbie puts him through with a great ball and he kind of runs onto it and he just stabs it home. Stabs it in the yeah, corner. corner. It's a, it a brilliant it goal. Great at stabbing in or great at yeah. just. Of of moving the ball from left to right foot and placing it in the corner. What a, a and just get it. He got he, and he got to it just before he was tackled. That's the beauty. yeah. Always you know, that's always, right. That's yeah. Right. I always think that in fact that I always had this vision of him being being hit by the goalkeeper or a player, yeah. thinking that's him off. That's yeah. his season yeah. ended. And he wouldn't. He was like a kind of spider. He would just stand up. And, uh, uh, and and you'd think, oh, there's this... He's like Inspector Gadget with telescopic it's, legs. Yeah, very well expressed, Chidge. Absolutely right. Our spiders run because spiders tend to lose legs if they fall. <laughs> if well, they've crash. got another seven. They're all right. But, yeah, they've got... That's true. That's true. But well, I'm trying to think of what other, other than that Inspector Gadget is a kind of... A kind of toy that smashes in and then there it is. It's like a, a, a transformer or something. He was... Uh, he, I, I, a terrific, terrific player, Flo, for taking this these opportunities. I loved him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, me and all, him. mate. Me and all loved him to pieces. And he was great this season. We're going to talk about Flo, I think, a lot more during this show and also uh, towards the end of it in the summary. But, Mark, of course, the uh, the best... I mean, obviously, Flo comes on and he gets two goals in five minutes and we win the game. Absolutely brilliant, obviously. But, of course, the, the most important stat from this game is not even that we won 4-3... It's that uh, Chris Sutton got more goals in this game than he did in his whole Chelsea Premier League career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He only got three goals with Chelsea. I think one of them was in the Champions League against Gonzaga. Yeah, so yeah, basically, you know, a whole Chelsea career defined in one game Indeed. by getting two goals for Blackburn that night. But JK's right. You know, you know, how many players did we buy that scored goals against? We thought, oh, he looks good. Right. We'll buy him. It's a, Sutton. It's... 
Yeah. It was a constant, wasn't it? Yeah, Fleck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but absolutely. here's a question, though, for you both. It's definitely, it happens again this season with, with, with old Bjorni Goldbeck. But, I mean, we say it's a theme and it's a constant. But, I mean, has this been going on a long time before that? I think it has, hasn't it? Well, can I say that we bought a player called Butler who played very well against us for Hull in about 19... Tommy Doherty bought him, I think, in about 66. And uh, and and I remember him playing so well against us. I thought, and I was so little. I remember thinking he'd be, you know, he'd be a nice player to buy. He played so well against us in my little fluting voice. And lo and behold, Doherty bought him the following week, and he hardly ever played. And I think this is the problem: is that they 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 play out of their skins against Chelsea, and then don't they're not very good, or something happened that night, or they just. Uh, Oh no! But yes, that was the earliest I remember. Was this chap Butler? Was it Dennis Butler? I can't remember. I have to look him up. Jeff, Jeff Butler. Yeah. Jeff Butler. Well and done. You, you know. You mentioned the whole game. Someone posted a picture up at the weekend when we played Hull City in the FA Cup that year. There's a picture of Hull City fans all in the shed. So this is pre pre segregation. So you've got these hundreds and hundreds of Hull City fans standing in the shed with their Hull for the Cup banners. Well, you sort of think that wouldn't happen now. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. <laughs> but there's also the reverse side of things, as well as having you know a history of buying players who score against us. Loads of Chelsea players have left and then come back and score against us. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it's like it's inevitable, isn't it? Really, the number of times always you should you always say they're going when we do the preview, they're, they're bound to score against us, and I'm sure somebody somewhere must be putting a quid on them here and there and making a fortune. Indeed. Uh, Mark, um, there's a little bit of business that happens at the, the uh, end of the month. Uh, to, I mean, obviously, I, I should I should add that we beat Middlesbrough 2-0 at home with an absolutely brilliant diving header from Pallister for an old, own goal on 46 minutes and uh, <clears throat> Zola tidies it up on uh, 81. Um, but uh, Bates had a... Uh, there was something going on with the West Stand, a planning inquiry. What was all that about? Well, yeah, I said earlier that our, obviously our capacity had increased to 34,000. Um and the final bit of the Chelsea Village development was just like finishing off the hotels, the nightclubs were planned and putting the, the extra tiers on the West Stand. And then Bates gets into a spat with the, the, the local authority because obviously, quite rightly in any kind of planning application, they want him to divulge what his long-term plans were. And they'd already had a situation where the police had been to one of the, you know, bars or clubs that was open that was meant to close at one o'clock in the morning. It was open at three o'clock in the morning on one occasion. So they were breaching licensing rules, etc., and noise nuisance. And then there was a small amount of like the local residents in Oswald Stoll Mansions, you know, who were right next to the stadium. So, you know, Bates was playing a sort of like a, a cunning game of keeping some of the cars close to his chest. And, and rather than trying to comply, he, he then takes it to an inquiry that basically takes two years to get to fruition. Uh, and whilst that inquiry is taking place, in effect, there's no further development of the West End. So it takes two further years for the extra tiers to be put on the West End for the development to be completed. So, you know, in a strange way, you know, for two years, we lost out on revenue by having an extra sort of like 8,000 people in the stadium and all the associate revenue that go with that. You know? And, and, the, and the, in the end, in terms of like the planning inquiry, you know, once it was completed, you know, no one really won. It's probably a one-all draw, you know. So you think you've, you've wasted two years and how much money as well with that lost revenue and lost income? 
Yeah, very silly, really, when you think about it. Um, yeah, and of course, particularly realizing what the West Stand was, it was then created hugely for the for corporate. Yeah, number of tiers on it that would have been, and the the middle yeah. tier of the, uh, the of the West Stand has got all those huge boxes, which are yeah. unbel- which are a million pounds a year, I think. If that was, yeah, and uh, uh, back in then they were a million pounds. So all yeah. that revenue lost by two years stalemate by going to an external inquiry. You know, we we lost that and a lot of money, which is at the same time. A bit foolhardy because we talked about it on the last show. We had the seventy-five million pound euro bond, and we were paying six million pound interest back a year. Yeah, yeah, and it would have been so paid for by that. Million pound in, if yeah, you'd have got that. Yeah. on the stadium that much quicker. If you think that our record signing was Kazaragi, who cost us five point four million, six million a year on interest is quite a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in it. So there we go. I think the most important point to make about all of this, though, is that if you sat in the West Stand in those days, like I did, you'd get fecking wet. wet when it rained. Oh, and that's the worst thing, obviously. You know, but uh, I maybe another just... reason why they should have finished it, put the bloody roof well, on. Well, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we move into October. By the way, we're now seventh. I mean, we had a bit of a slow start, didn't we? Really, but actually, things are picking up now. We're now seventh in the league. Um, and uh, you know we've we've we haven't lost. I mean, the, we lost the first game against Coventry, but we remain unbeaten so far. Uh, we then play the second leg against Helsingborgs, nil nil draw, which is enough to see us through one nil on Ag. Uh, notable in the fact that it was Viali's first appearance of the season, who seems to have kind of well. I, I mean, I don't know. I'd ask the boys actually because I mean. I love Viali as a player, as we all know, but it, it, I wondered if he was kind of like deciding he was now a manager and not a player, JK. I found it really confusing as to why he didn't select himself. And I think you're absolutely right. Perhaps he thought, um, I'm, uh, I'm, now, I'm now creating a, um, a managerial career and uh, Chelsea might not be my last stop as a manager. Um, um and uh, I want, therefore, to be taken seriously rather than to be considered a player manager. And yet he must have still been working on his fitness because he did slot in from time to time. And um, and we're going to get on to that. But I I, I, I think he had um, bought Kazaragi to uh, replace him and Hughes because I don't understand why um, he didn't play more. Because every time he played, he scored practically. And every time he played, he looked very impressive so he's still keeping this side of him going um but um yes he seemed to play in very specific games so he'd choose himself for european companies cup and um uh, a bit like i like uh, hullet had done and the uh the league cup and the odd sort of game where he, he could he could rotate i think the rotation aspect was something that um i was bemused by and i think some of the players got bemused by as well um and uh, we're going to get onto that with the Kazaragi situation. Well, so talk, talking talk of talking of Kazaragi, mate. Uh, the next match is the away match up at Anfield, where we drew one-one. And guess what? After ten minutes, Kazaragi scores his first goal for Chelsea, and it was a very good goal too. Uh, but the thing is, nobody remembers that weirdly because you would have thought actually Kazaragi's only goal at Chelsea would be memorable. There's a reason why why nobody remembers that, and they remember something else about that goal, uh, Mark. Yeah, Phil Bab. Um, yeah, <laughs> delighted Kazaragi gets his first goal. Or well, Phil No Babs, as he was called after that. <laughs> yeah, or he had No Babs after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people remember, or people who never saw the game because they're too young, when Kazaragi sort of nips through and puts the ball in, goes around David James, Phil Bab does his best to try and get back and sort of slide the ball away, but he doesn't get there in time. And Phil Bab 
literally collides with part of his anatomy with the well, goal. I'll, I'll spare your blushes. He slides <laughs> on his back and he's heading yeah. towards the goalpost. Yeah. And basically, it, you know, why he did this, I, I don't know. Mate. It was really quick, actually, the way he slid. But basically, uh, the post connects with his with his bollocks in a very hefty manner. It was it was gut-wrenching to even watch it. And as you said in the bad, notes... Bad would yeah, have been worried. I think yeah. she would have been more than worried. Don't rub them, son. Count them, I think, is probably what they said. Uh, but there you go. He recovered, I think. Um, right, so then we have Charlton at home. We win 2-1. LeBerth penalty. Hughes uh, uh, equalises on 58. And Gus Poyet uh, scores on 58 minutes. Uh, and I'm Kazaragi gonna... again uh, smashed into, by the way. Seemed to be a constant whipping yeah, boy. Kazaragi. He was, not he? Yeah. I will stick it up that old eye time. Eh? He won't like it up. And you can you just <laughs> hear him saying it, can't you? Yes, yes. Anyway, we then play Copenhagen in uh, the European Cup and Cup at home. And a bit like, uh, you know, Helsingborgs, it was, uh, it, they were stubborn. I mean, they were, they were, you know, they were the top of the Danish league. Um, they weren't idiots by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, they actually went ahead on 80 minutes with, guess who? Bjarni Goldbeck. More of him in a minute. Uh, and basically, Mark uh, Marcus Desai rescued us on 90 minutes. And I, I was going to say, I mean, you know, the previous game, we, we got a winner in the last minute. Go back to the Blackburn game. Flo scores on 86 minutes. Desai scores here on 90 minutes. I was quite surprised by the number of games this season where we got a last-minute winner. Yep. And even like the, not just the last-minute winner, 25% of our goals this season come in the last 15 minutes well, of the game. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And I think Viali says at some point during the season about the, the fitness training they did. So, you know, it paid dividends with so many late late goals and points we picked up. And, and here's another example of it. You know, another cold night, you know, Copenhagen, very similar to Helsingborg. Um, and two minutes into injury time, Desai just curls one into the top corner and really, really saves our bacon because it would have been a challenge to go to Copenhagen, one nil down. As it turns out, you know, the one-all draw is enough because obviously a certain Danish gentleman, and we'll, we'll come to him shortly, you know, gets gets the all-important goal in the second leg. He does indeed. Um, before that, though, we got a nil-nil draw away up at Leeds, uh, a notable really just for the fact that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, soon to be of this parish, misses a penalty. Uh, well, it was saved, actually, to be fair, by... Uh, by Ed De Hoy. Uh, and Possibly a mile off his line, Chidge. Once again, yeah. if VAR, it wouldn't be happening. It was allowed in those days, although it wasn't allowed. It was, it I mean. They never it ever was. checked it, did they? But you're right. No, never. never. Uh, uh, LeBeuf got sent off on 60 min- 61 minutes. Can you remember why he was sent off? Either of you two, Mark's got his hand up. So I can't remember why he got sent off, but yeah, again, it doesn't matter what point in history Chelsea leads. You know, we, we had a player sent off and we had seven players booked in this game. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to think that the 1998 Chelsea saw the importance of how important Chelsea Leeds games were to fans. Like Leeds, Leeds had four players booked. We had seven players booked and LeBeuf sent off as well. Yeah. My memory of that was just a, a constant kicking fest. Mm. Yeah. It really was. All from the very beginning, absolutely nonstop. You're absolutely right. The, 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 the bitterness uh, in, in, the, in the Leeds fixture has always been there. Always. Well, as it yeah, should George be. Graham had gone, though, hadn't he? Because George Graham's managing Tottenham by now. Or, or, or we seem to manage yeah. Tottenham. No, you're yeah. right. He is, because David, David O'Leary's in charge. Yes. O'Leary, yes. Yeah. O'Leary, like, you know, they, they didn't, it didn't change their approach at all against us, O'Leary. In fact, but they, they were a good team. If you look you look at this team, you know, Robinson, Redibi, yeah. Woodgate, yeah. Molinar, 
Martin, very good player for a DB, very yeah, good. Yeah. Ma- Ma- Martin Hayden, David Hopkins, the, possibly the gingerest bloke of all time. Alpha Inga Harlan, Lee Bowyer, Stephen McPhail, Danny Granville, of course, who we told to them at the beginning of the season. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who comes to us a couple of t- seasons later. Clyde Vinehart, Harry Kuhl. You know, that's a decent side. I love the fact, if you look at the bookings, this tells a story, JK. Clyde Vinehart, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Lou, Lee Bowyer, Lucas Radibi got booked for them. Uh, Babiaro, De Hoy, Dubry, LeBerf, Wise, Zola, De Matteo for us. Zola got booked. Zola. Zola got booked. I can't believe that. All the others you could probably say, yeah, I, could, I get that, but Zola getting booked. That's, out, that's outrageous. Mistaken suspect, identity, I, surely. No, I suspect it was because occasionally he would complain, wouldn't he? He would, he would go up to the referee and probably in, in not terribly good, in, in broken English, that say, you're stupid, whatever. But I mean, I, I, I remember him, him giving refs a bit of mouth if he felt really... It's oh, just kicked, no doubt. I've I've just checked what LeBerf got sent off for. He got sent off for kicking Harry Kuehl. You you can't get booked for that, surely. (laughs) That's allowed, isn't it? It's allowed, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, there we go. Um, Well, we'll move on to the the next match, uh, which is... uh, uh, Oh, yeah, this is is fun. This is the Worthless Cup. Sorry, the Worthington Cup, uh, also known as the League Cup, which, of course, we are holders. Um... It's round three. We play Aston Villa at home. Uh, and uh, your mate Viali, uh, JK, plays in this match. And uh, he scores a bloody good hat-trick, actually. And of course you're, he does. Yeah. Of course, that's my point. I don't understand why, therefore, he decided he would only play in these games. I, I, I don't you know. know. We won the League Cup the year before, hadn't we? Yeah. So I don't... Um, um, why did he treat it like that? I, 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 once again, this whole season, so we had some very good players who didn't play very often, and I didn't, you know, Petrescu was substitute for a long period here. Petrescu, one of the great Chelsea players, I didn't get it. Um, um, and and he played Lasso out in different. Babayaro didn't was in and out. Um, uh, um, uh, but the the forward thing was something that just amused me. I suppose if people are scoring and people are doing well, rotation, you know, mate, squad I mean, rotation. I mean, indeed, it was squad rotation. But we didn't specifically have um, a settled side for me, and I really would have liked. Well, that. You, I know you're. You, I'm, I'm detecting a little bit of a moan, but I mean the reality is we we. This is the period of the season. Uh, I think Mark was telling me earlier on. Actually, we went on an unbeaten run of 21 games. So it's it's, it's yes. I, I see what you mean. I get your point, but I think it's hard to really complain about it when we're playing that well. I think the trouble is with hindsight. It's like when you start off slowly in the season and you draw and you lose it. Not not lose, but you we did we lost at the beginning. You draw against teams like we lost against Coventry. Those kind of things are the difference between winning the titles, you know. And I, I and it, I, it, at the end of the season, it upset me. And you look back and think, oh, we should have won that. Oh, why didn't we? Why did we draw that game and whatever? Well, it's just it's moments like this, you know. I just think, well, I, I, I didn't. I, I, like, like Nichols, Nichols flitted in and out of the of the team. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Was he good enough to play? I didn't. I, I still, never thought. I, I still, I still think that actually, you know, when you look at the fact that we we were unbeaten for the, a long stretch of this season, I think that that. That tells me that actually, I I think whatever he was doing, you know, in terms of the decisions he was making, was all right. You know, you should have been winning everything, too. Yeah, but Jonathan, we, in the real world, we don't win everything because football's played on grass, not on FIFA twenty. Or I don't think there was a FIFA nineteen ninety eight, was there? I am allowed to comment on my feelings, knowing with hindsight. Your feelings pain, are absolutely yours. No, I agree. Your feelings are yours, and they are absolutely authentic, and they're justified. But 
they are your feelings, but I'm allowed to disagree with my feelings. And that's kind of what I've done. Uh, anyway, the reason why this is most notable, I'll tell you what I do agree with. Fucking Viali, mate. I mean, this was an, another prime example. You know, we, we said this, didn't we? And we have done for the last three of these shows or two of these shows or whatever it is. His ability to hit the ball early oh. is just unbelievable, isn't it? But it, it, it's he he turns and and it's a shot on goal. You know, we've we've referred that across, haven't we, to the way that um, currently our our strikers and our midfield players get into the penalty area and take a touch or pass it sideways. This oh, yeah. this kind of era, this era striker. I'm, I say I think he goes back to most era strikers. They see the goal, they have a they have a, a bap at it. They have a they have a a, a dip. You know, it's it's. It's I've got an opportunity and it takes everybody by surprise. Yeah, the yeah. opportunity, the, the fact what I love is those moments which Hughes had the same thing. The ball will be played to you. It bounces once and you're in volley you're on goal. And the accuracy of his shooting with either foot was absolutely superb. He just hits it so early. It's just a brilliant skill. Um, Mark, there's another thing about this match, which is uh, I'll try that again, get my teeth. And there's another thing about this match, which is really significant, isn't there? Yes, uh, and again, um, for those people on Twitter, he's joined Twitter quite recently, you know, and yeah, cl- clearly he, he's engaging with a lot of Chelsea fans at the moment on Twitter, in- including the infamous Frank Carlin today, yeah, where he's trolled Frank Carlin, if you've seen it today. Um, uh, but yes, um, it was the debut of uh, a certain John Terry. He, he comes on as a, a substitute for Dan Protesco uh, on 86 Minutes. And he's only been on the pitch for one minute. Uh, and this happens on three occasions this season and we'll come to regret it later in the season. Uh, but Dennis Wise gets sent off on the 87th minute for a two-footed challenge on a Villa player. Yeah, it was a lovely two-footed challenge, though. <laughs> it was a red card. It was executed with extreme prejudice. It's a red card in any era. Absolutely. It would be a triple red card these days. It'd be it'd be banned now for like weeks if he did that. But it was it was I enjoyed it anyway. Enough said. Um, another notable thing happened on the uh, a few weeks later or a few days later when Sam Dalabona transferred from Atlanta, Atlanta for free. Uh, a very misunderstood player for Chelsea. And I mean, I know Jonathan goes on about Marcus Alonso's beautiful hair, but I think surely Sam Dalabona had the greatest, <laughs> most beautiful hair of any Chelsea player of all time. Um, he passed me by, Chidge, because I didn't think he was a very good player. No, but he I, had great hair, JK. No, but no, excuse me, Alonso, one of the reasons we like Alonso so much is he's a good player yeah. and he's got good hair. There's the yeah. difference. I mean, I think if there was a top hair of all time at Chelsea, you know, Sam Dalabona, Marcus Alonso and Paolo Ferreira would all be in there in the top three, I think. Uh, and not Luca Vialli, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for Ferreira, you're right, actually. Yeah, He had great hair, beautiful hair, yeah. Anyway, I digress. We will talk Sam Dalabona in the coming weeks because although we signed him from Atlanta like Luca Picasso, he hasn't actually played this season. No, no, he's a very young boy at the time, isn't he? He's a very young lad, but he will play in future seasons and he will score some goals for us. I remember, I remember uh, a goal he scored against Ipswich to dig us out of the poo. But anyway, we'll we'll come to that one. He did give the ball away a lot and get caught in possession. But what do I know? Other than that, uh, he had great hair, J.K. Yeah, great super yeah. hair anyway Conor Gallagher's hair reminds me a bit of Sam Dalabona no no yeah. Sam Dalabona's was much longer and blonder 
this was an era where you could get away with slightly longer hair. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There was quite a lot of long hair about in those days, actually, Jay. A bit of a throwback to the 70s, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on to November, we have the uh, the second leg of the Cup Winners' Cup match against Copenhagen, um, which is, you know... Oh, I'm going to let Mark do this because I, I forgot all about this until I saw the uh, the review video. But it's, it's I mean, obviously, Laudrup scores in his last appearance to get us through because we win 1-0, right? Um, yep. Yeah, um, but before we go out to Copenhagen, uh, Laudrup holds a press conference with Colin Hutchinson to announce that he's homesick and wants to return home to Denmark and return home to Copenhagen. So very kindly, Chelsea let him out of his contract to do that. Uh, and his final game ironically, is against FC Copenhagen, the team he is about to join. And there's this beautiful... Yeah, I, know, I know he gets a bit hysterical in his Channel 5 commentary, but there's, he must have written this down beforehand and hoped that Laudrup would score. Um, but Jonathan Pierce's commentary, he says, in true Hans Christensen Anderson, Anderson fairy tale, he'll be returning to wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. Yeah. Can I, can I say something about this? Yeah. Uh, uh, the very fact that he, after a season, joined Ajax made you realise that his being homesick was actually rather a load of rubbish. And, uh, <laughs> and he just wanted to get out of the club. And I think United had come in for him early. And uh, and he was disappointed that uh, I think Ferguson asked him to go and play for them the day after he'd signed for Chelsea. And um, he didn't like not playing because he didn't like he made a statement saying he didn't like the rotation mm -hmm. in the club. And uh, he just wasn't happy in London or whatever. And I think there's more to this. I don't think that we've ever found out the, the proper reason. He, he did say was... personal reasons in the press are interesting enough, didn't he? He did. He did. But um, uh, it definitely wasn't going back to Copenhagen because, as I say, he just lasted a season. In fact, it would, not the whole season because he was, um, um, he was off to Ajax the following year. So um, something else happened. Um, I don't know what it was. I, I thought he was great, I have to say, as a player. I thought he was so skillful and such an accurate crosser. And I was really disappointed that it didn't work out. I just thought he was brilliant, brilliant player. And the interesting thing, I forgot about the Ajax thing, but yeah, we, we retained his registration. So he must have yes. got Copenhagen on yes. loan. So yes. we negotiated a transfer fee with Ajax. Yes. So we sold him to Ajax in effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so but that was the business trying to get the sympathy vote. I want to go home, I'm homesick. I mean, uh, uh, rubbish. Interesting. Um, of course, the other side of that coin, literally, was the fact that uh, we actually got Bjarni Goldbeck in return, didn't we? So yeah. the guy who scored against us in the first leg uh, joins Chelsea. More of Bjarni Goldbeck later. But on, but quickly on Bjarni Goldbeck, the interesting thing, um, looking at the programme when the Goldbeck signs for us, Colin Hutchinson says they were two separate deals. So if Laudrup had stayed, we would have still bought Goldbeck. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? I, I well, we 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 did we did pay we paid money for Goldbeck. We paid three hundred and thirty grand for him on yeah. the ninth of the ninth of November, nineteen ninety eight. So yeah, Hutchinson said it was a separate deal. We were always in for Goldbeck um, since the the first leg game when he scored the goal in the eightieth minute. Once again, a player being watched for having a good performance. In this instance, though. Performing well for the rest of the season yeah. for it. Good player. We Good will, player. we will, we will. Now, uh, next match again, another massively significant match, not in the least bit for the result, uh, which was 1-1. We went to Upton Park. Uh, Ruddock scores a spawny free kick on four minutes because Chelsea only had two men in the wall, according to Neil Barnett. Um, Babiaro equalises with a, 
he looked like a a, um, a little kind of I don't know like a, a Jack Russell leaping up to head a football. I mean, because he wasn't a massively tall, but he kind of leapt about four foot in the air and just hit it in. It was a real gold gold mouth melee, but he equalised on seventy six. And Nichols was playing again. I I, I I don't get it. I don't I get that at all. I'm sorry. Do you not wasn't... like Nichols or something? I didn't think he was as good as anybody else. Let's put it that way. Came on for Zola on 66 minutes, which is a bit yeah. weird. But, weird. of course, the, the massive thing about this match, uh, I mean, Frank Lampard was playing in this, by the way, just to, to, to let you know, and John Terry yeah. was on the bench for us. But uh, yeah. the most significant thing of all happened on 24 minutes, Mark, didn't it? Yeah, very sad. Like, Kazaragi's final appearance for Chelsea, career-ending injury. Um, no one's fault. Yeah, went for the ball. Um, was it Shaka Hislop in goal? Rio Ferdinand, just, you know getting tangled up, you know, crucial ligaments, end, end his career. Um, but, you know, we don't replace him either, which is a bit of a strange decision. Um, but, yeah, he ne- never played fo- football again. Um, but the, st- the strange thing was, I've had Jake Haker remember this. So ironically, when I was out Saturday night, we were talking about this game. Uh, and at the time, uh, when it happens, you know, it's almost like, you know, Paul Elliott, you know, um, scenario all over again. Um uh, but there was no stretcher. And if you listen to it also on, on the uh, YouTube, Neil Barnett's going, where's the stretcher? Where's the stretcher? Yeah. And Lasso runs over to the yes. advertising hoarding. Yeah. And the hoarding becomes like a makeshift stretcher. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then like you know, a friend of mine said this Saturday night, you know, you know he said, well, you do realise where the stretcher was, Mark? And I said, no, no, where was it? Um, about 10 minutes before, in the Chelsea section in the Bobby Moore stand, a Chelsea fan had collapsed uh, and the stretcher was used to take that fan out of the stadium and an ambulance to take them to hospital. And yeah, West Ham only had the one stretcher. Yeah. So, so lo and behold, when Kazaragi gets injured, the stretcher is still taking the bloke out. And, and when you then see that makeshift stretcher carrying Kazaragi off, you can see the proper stretcher coming around the back side. On. Yes. Up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't even noticed on the, the, the video that it was a, a hoarding. I mean, I remember at the time, it's one of those things when you see these injuries, it's like Eddie Newton being collapsing and being hit by the goalkeeper. And um, you can see that it was a, a vile injury. You know, it wasn't anybody's fault, but you just, I thought, it's almost, it, it, I, I, without the knowledge at the time, I remember thinking this is career ending. But it, of course, nowadays, it probably wouldn't have been career ending. It would have been a, um, uh, with the surgery, the, the improvements in, in the way, um, the medical improvements in, in, in the world. Um, uh, they can do so much more cruciate ligament repair. And uh, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he'd, uh, oh, obviously been several months, it might not have been this season, but if Kazaragi had been available again with um, um, Viali as manager, because he clearly rated him. And in the video, all the players say, what a shame it was that he wasn't available because they appreciated this speed that he had up front, which um, I mean, I have to say, I thought that Viali had it. And I will keep going on about this. I didn't quite understand why Viali then, when Kazaragi was injured, didn't play himself more because he was clearly still a, a, a top, top player, Viali. So, well, as, as was proved, JK, in the next match, which uh, I, I have very fond memories of this match. This is uh, the... Uh, Round four in the Worthington Cup, when we go yeah, to Highbury. Yeah. Of course, you know, <clears throat> our relationship with Arsenal at that time was one of abject inferiority. I mean, they were, you know, they, 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 Wenger was there. They were winning stuff. They had Bergkamp and players like that. And we just couldn't beat them for love nor money at the time. 
So to go up there, I mean, they were playing their. They would they would argue they were playing their B team, and we were, we had a pretty strong side. It has to be you know one has to be honest about this. Um, but we absolutely walloped them 5-0. And, and uh, uh, LeBeuf got a penalty on 34 minutes. Viali got two, uh, 49 minutes and 73. Poirier got two, 65 and 80. And we won 5-0. And I remember that we, you know, the likes of me and Dr. Martin, people that I knew around that time, were constantly singing 1-2, 1 5-0! It just went on for weeks. We were so delighted at beating Arsenal. Never, never really liked Arsenal. And that was just and sumptuous. The B team quality of Arsenal. So I meant any Arsenal friends of mine said, well, we put our reserves out. What do you expect? Well, uh, let me tell you who their reserves were, shall I? Uh, Alex Meninga in goal. Yes, because Seaman would normally play. Nelson Vivas. Freddie Lundberg. Yeah, he's a B team player, isn't he? Dennis Bergkamp started. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Ray, Stephen Hughes, Gilles Grimondi, Remy Gard. God, I remember him. Matthew Upson, Louis Boamorte and David Grondin. So... And our side was Kareen. He's he was B team. Dan Pet Rescue. I mean, Dan was finding it hard to get in at the time. Celestine Barriaro, first team. Frank LeBeuf, first team. Um, Gus Poye, first team. Luca Viali, B team. Although, as J.K. says, he should have been playing anyway. Dubes, quite often in the first team. Robert Roberto De Matteo, first team. Torre Andre Flo wasn't a regular starter. Mark Nichols. Uh, who seems to be starting far too much for J.K. Who, who will be relieved to know? Who will be relieved to know that Neil Clement substituted him on 77 minutes. Phew. And uh, Bjarni Goldbeck uh, was uh, making his debut, and uh, he was replaced by Luca Bacassi on 77 minutes. So that was in That's fact when Luca got on. That's when Bacassi got yeah, on. That, there was no Lasso. There was no um, um... Desai. No, Le- Leboeuf yeah. was playing, wasn't he? Yeah. No, no Zola. Uh... No Zola, still several first teamers missing. Yeah. So you could argue that we hadn't put out the first team. Exactly. But, uh, um, but Goldbeck um, impressed immensely in that game. Mark. Yeah, I think our reserves were better than their reserves. And what special memory of this game for me was this day was actually my birthday, uh, and it was, so it was at that point the first time I'd ever seen us win at Highbury. Yeah. The amount of times going to Arsenal, you know, since 1976, and I've never seen Chelsea win. I missed the 1991. I was away in Bradford at a gig when Bumpstead scored. So I'd never seen us win at Highbury. So going to see Chelsea win on my birthday at Arsenal, who I bloody hate. And we're in that period where we were playing them a lot. You know, um, it was it was fantastic. So winning 5-0 there on your birthday was absolutely superb. Better still, David Ellery was ref and he gave us a penalty. Yeah, and this was Arsenal's worst defeat at home. Now they can spin it and say, "Oh, our reserve, blah blah blah." It was their worst defeat at home for seventy-three years. Yeah, that's what I like. This is what we want. This is what we like to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why. I mean, I remember getting very drunk with Martin. You know, or oh, easily five years after that, and we would sing that when we were very pissed. We'd just sing it randomly, and just in remembrance of that match, which is kind of appropriate considering it was on Remembrance Day. But there you go. <laughs> Uh, next up, we got uh, a, w- a win against uh, Wimbledon, the Wombles, three uh, 0 at home. Which I see it was James, wasn't it, who, who put the video up for that today? Some sub- some lovely goals in that, Mark Zola and Poye and Petrescu. Uh, but of course, there was a lovely touch, isn't there, when uh, Zola goes to the bench and grabs uh, Kaziragi's shirt, and yes. I don't, don't quite know what they did with it. They were kind of like holding it up like a sacrificial something. I don't know what. 
they bowed down to it and kissed it. Yeah. I think it, I think it was prearranged because again, coming out of the Arsenal game, um, Viali didn't go to the press conference afterwards. Obviously, despite playing so well and getting a couple of goals, um, because he'd been to see Kazaragi that day, and clearly he was really upset with the news. So he probably knew then that the likelihood of Kazaragi not playing again, you know, that season was already sort of like you know known to the club. Um, so the players had prearranged whoever scored the first goal, they'd run over to the bench and get Kazaragi's shirt and hold it up for everybody. You know, because he was a very popular player in the short Ab- time. Of Absolutely, he was very popular. You could tell that by there was a great deal of love for him, wasn't there, Kazaragi? Yeah. Yeah. And we and we never we never saw him fulfil his potential. And, and, and it's an interesting one, Kazaragi, because um, he probably was bought, and I agree, you know, Hughes went a year too early, but he was probably bought or perceived as a replacement for Mark Hughes. And, and he was five years younger. He was an Italian international. But Kazaragi was never, a, like we talk about flow, Kazaragi was never a goal scorer. You know, you know he, he was a sort of like a centre forward that held the play up and brought other players in. And his goal ratio, you know, Juve, Lazio was one in four, which is not a centre forward role. No, no. So he wasn't bought to sort of be the 25, 30 goal a year striker. So, I, so that, it's, it's still a bit of a strange one. So who was going to get the goal for Chelsea? Zola. Was Viali's viewpoint the midfield would get the goal? Well, Zola, players Poirier, Zola, and Toriando flow. But I, I think I think that Mark, I think that was the point. I think yeah. it was to feed Zola because be the, fall, the, fall, the fall for Zola and actually big, in this big guy, game, big guy, little guy. Yeah, but in this game, obviously Zola is the one. Yeah, so clearly he was friends with Kazaragi from the national team. Yeah, and a teammate for Chelsea who runs over and does that gesture. But Zola starts the ball running, and actually, I think I said in the note, I thought this was our best performance of the season. Because Wimbledon were a pain in the ass to play back. Then. Always, still always. And we beat them out of sight. You know, we beat beat them 3-0. It could have been more. And there's three very good goals there from Zola, Poirier and Petrescu. And as you say, James put the video up on Twitter. You know, three really good goals, really good performance. And Petrescu back in the side as well. Love, love Dan Petrescu. Um, well, you and me both, wonderful player. But this is, I didn't get it. Once again, I didn't get why he didn't play more often. We don't know what goes on on the training ground in these instances. But I, I found that it said on the video that he was going to be sold and he refused to go. And I'd have thought that was, why, why were they willing to get rid of such a terrific player uh, who then carried on playing terrifically for the rest of the season? I, I'm... I'm I get you get bewildered by what's going on in the training pitch on these occasions. You know? I think at the time there was tension between Viali and Petrescu, uh, and that as we move into the following season, 99 2000, and Viali's departure, more, more comes to a head, shall we say. And I think in the end of season video, Petrescu does mention of that, that the club were looking to sell him. Yeah, yeah very odd, isn't it? But you're right, it's kind of a, an early hint that, uh, you know, all is not well and that maybe Luca's man management skills are not quite at it. Um, that We wrap up that month, basically go up to Leicester, to Filbert Street, win 4-2. Uh, this is another good performance, I think, but uh, Zola scores two goals. Uh, Flo gets one and Poye gets one. And uh, Muzzy Izzet, uh, formerly of this parish, scores on 40 minutes. Great and. Uh, some bloke called uh, Steve Guppy scores one in 60 minutes. Oh, 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 oh. More, more, more of him later. Exactly oh, that. Uh, and oh. then we, we play Sheffield Wednesday at home and we draw one all and we get another Zola goal. So he's on fire, his little Franco. But uh, I think this is arguably one of his... I think this is arguably his best season for the club, actually. Although, I mean, every season was, was his best season, you could argue, because he was just such a wonderful player. But 
Uh, he certainly scored a lot of goals this season. Uh, into December, and we're into the uh, round five of the uh, the Worthington Cup, Mark. What the hell happened here? I mean, you said that Wimbledon are, uh, are very awkward, and we actually do lose, don't we, 2-1. How on earth did we lose to this side? Please explain. I don't know. I was there. I really don't know. We were awful. You know, we just played them a couple of weeks earlier, produced our best performance of the season. Uh, and... I think I think that they were very good at disrupting Wimbledon at this time. They were very good at at um, um, who was the manager at the time? I can't remember. Joe um, Kinnear. Joe Kinnear, of course, it was Kinnear. Yeah, because um, that chap Hughes, I think, who scored a penalty, was um, you would look at him and you think he wasn't great shakes, and yet he always put it about. He was always in and out. They had Gale, they had Earl, who were who were very good players. They played heavily to their strengths. And they got very stuck in. There was a pattern that they played, and I, I, I saw them a lot um, because I was, I was, um, um, uh, I'd been living in I, when I worked for LBC. LBC had a hospitality lounge there, and they, uh, they'd say, oh, "We've got a spare for for Wimbledon. Do you want to come and see it this week?" And I go, "Oh yeah, oh, thank you very much indeed. I'd love to." So I'd trip down to Palace and watch not, them. Not many takers <laughs> then, usually. Were they? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. There's hardly anybody in there at all in their box. It was just me. Um, but uh, uh, no, I'd take, I'd take friends, actually. I'd say, do you want to come down and watch Wimbledon? A number of people who'd go, no. oh, God, no, I don't <laughs> want to go there. No. That's right. That's exactly right. But but um, um, you could see they had a way of playing, which was, this is this is um, um, why I felt, you know, the season before when we, when we beat them in the semi-final was such a good, good result because um they they could they could do this to you you really had to be at your best they could disrupt you they could stop you from playing they were on top of you they were they were it's almost like it's it's almost a um a premier league performance now it's um it's players who defend in numbers um break kick the ball upfield uh um second ball um uh, on top of your best player uh, they were they were a, a fit side and they they did the business and it, they kept, they maintained this standard. And I, I was always, I always thought this is never a pushover, this game. They're always going to come up with something. And I, I was um, unfortunately uh, correct. I remember saying this isn't easy, this, even though we've beaten them already 3-0 and we're a very good side. And it, think, so it was proven. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing from my point of view, the, the, this one as was, I thought we'd left that behind as well because, yeah, we played them in the cup in '95-'6. We played them in '96-'7. We're just beating them. We, were, you know, they were becoming less and less our bogey team, where they had been sort of like you know in years gone by when they'd come to the bridge and put four passes. Yeah, yeah. true, true, yeah. true. So yeah, having just beaten them, you sort of think, well, hang on a minute, Wimbledon away, take that as an FA Cup game. Sellers Park was always a good trip to go down. It was it was a proper cup tie. There was, there was twenty thousand there that night. Yeah, you know? and yet yeah, the same thing happens with 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 Leicester. You know, you thought we've we've done them easily. You know, it's yeah. just, it's teams teams suss you out slightly. Teams decide to stop somebody from playing. You haven't got the same selection of, of players you had before. You know, I I'm 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 always wary of uh, of of thinking we've put that kind of thing behind us. You know, because you just have to, you know, watch. Watch the other day when we. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a Chelsea thing, J.K. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a Chelsea thing. Um, 
So there we go. Uh, next up, we have an away uh, game against Everton. Uh, it's a nil-nil draw. Dennis Wise gets sent off again. Uh, and so, so does Richard Dunn. I think they were both for, for two yellow cards, weren't they? I don't think he two-footed anybody this match, did he, Mark? Two yellows, yeah. yeah. Uh, we then play Villa. Now, the, the thing about the Villa match at home on uh, Wednesday, the 9th of December, is this is actually a top-of-the-table clash. Villa were top. We were second, I believe. Um, or were we? I'm going to check this. If I go back to the previous match, I can tell you what the table was. Well, actually, Villa were top on 30 points, and we were actually one, two, three, four. We were sixth by the looks of it. So it wasn't it wasn't top of the table. Well, it kind of was, but I mean, you know, you get my drift. Villa were top at the time, so we were trying to hunt them down, and uh, we won two one. And as a result, we climbed up to third. So we were only two points behind Villa on 30, and one behind United on 29 dirty leads are in fourth by the way just to let you know um so it was a, it was really good to beat them obviously for obvious reasons and guess what you know what i said earlier on mark about coming up with late winners happens yep. again flow on 90 yep no, no no another late go and i think the other thing is although it took it up to third we've got a game in hand on everybody because obviously when we played real madrid in the super cup um that was a normal premier league weekend you know so from the start of the season, our, our league table, you know, was one game less each time. And we didn't catch up till, I think, till Christmas, I think, when we played Man United. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so actually, you know, we're only now two points behind Villa, but we've got a game in hand. We have indeed. I make a point about the fans were still in the East Stand lower at that stage. Yeah, definitely. They were They were for years. <laughs> they were for years still. Yeah. Because all the, the, the Villa Mourinho players came over to the East Stand. Yeah. It was that shifted them? Mourinho. Marino shifted them, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he felt that they were influencing the referee. He may well have been right. Um, OK, so there we go. Villa 2-1. We then played Derby. That's a draw, 2 all. Uh, another flow goal, another Poye goal. Interestingly enough, Sturridge, uh, not that Sturridge, the other Sturridge, he uh, equalises for them in the last minute, which is a bit of a blow. JK? Um, an opportunity missed because we would have been... Uh, once again, you look back at the season, the, the, giving the goal away in the last minute, um, appalling. Um and uh, um, Morris and Lambourde playing, you know, once again, rotation bemused. Is this what's this about? Uh, I know Morris is in for Wise because Wise has been suspended. And no, no, is, Wise yeah. played against Derby. He played against Derby. Oh, OK. Well, then why was Morris playing? Where was where was Di Matteo? Did he Mark, play in that? Mark Nichols came on for Zola. And he came on as well. Oh, I'm 89 gonna... minutes, to be fair. Oh, and then, right. and oh. then we conceded a goal. And Lambourde play, played. And I, uh... You didn't like Lambourde. I didn't think he was up to the standard of the rest. I don't, you know, you're looking at players, you think, then, you know, we've got a really, really, we're, we're, we're aspiring for every player to be world-class. Not that this, this was pre-Champions League, but you've got a team, you think he's a top player, he's a top player. Why is he playing well, he's not a top player? I tell, you what, I tell you what really strikes me about this match. How come Roberto Di Matteo is an unused sub? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's telling. Somebody, so somebody of Robbie's class. How come? How come? Um, uh, Morris. How come Morris is playing in in his place? I mean, I not to, not to diminish Morris, who is um, uh, was always competitive, but we're not comparing Di Matteo and Morris. Surely, I yeah. don't. You know. It is. It is a bit odd. I I think maybe the the answer to that lies. I was going to say lies where Derby were in the in the in the table, but actually Derby were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They were ninth. So. 
It's not like it was going to be a pushover, so it's very odd. I mean, what I would say, I mean, you know, we're talking about squad rotation. Uh, we're, 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 well, I mean, we're out of the League Cup. We're still in the Cup Winners' Cup. We played this on the Saturday, and then uh, on the Wednesday, we're playing Man United away. So maybe he had one eye on that. And actually, the, the team against United, we're like, I mean, I, I would, is it, is it our strongest team? I don't know. I mean, interesting, Desai's not playing. Was he injured or something? Because you've got Ed DeHoy, Dan Petrescu, Celestine Babayaro, Dennis Wise, Dubes, Lasseau, Poye came on for Lasseau, Demateo, Albert Ferrer, Torre Andre Flo, Bernard Lambord and Zola. So it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not far off our strongest team, but I wouldn't say it was our strongest team. Um, but the, you look at the bench, right? Uh, Goldbeck, Hitchcock, Nichols and Morris. So... You know, are we suffering from... A, I mean, we've got a few injuries going on here. Where's Desai? Where's LeBerf? Very odd. Anybody, any ideas? Answers on a postcard, please. Rotation. But not even think, to be on the bench. No, no LeBerf or Desai. It's very odd, I think. You know, yeah, but I agree completely. This is why I'm, I was bewildered with the selection for the season. Yeah, very odd. Anyway, uh, we drew one all because, as we all know, I mean, uh, we're very good at playing Man United in this particular era. Uh, um, and Andrew Cole scored on 45 minutes and uh, Zola equalised on 83, another good goal. Uh, just a quick note here. Rodders, uh, David Lee, was transferred to Bristol Rovers for free on the 18th of December 1998. And then uh, we play our old enemies, Tottenham Hotspurs, on the 19th of December uh, now, we go into this match in third, I believe. Yes, we're still third uh, behind United and Villa. Uh, so we're playing Tottenham. And uh, what a what a fun match this was, Mark, as always. As always, the run continued, uh, but not just the run continued. The run continues with us ending up top of the league at the end of the day with two late goals, cracking goal from Poye from the edge of the area, and then Flo scoring from a diving header from a Dan Protestant cross. Uh, George Graham by now is manager of Tottenham. Um, so he's going to bore the arse off Tottenham while he's manager there. <laughs> we went top of the league for the first time since 1989. It was the last game before Christmas. Uh, great atmosphere in the ground. You know, not just because we beat Tottenham, we, we'd gone top of the league. Uh, and I, to, I say, at, at this point in the season, Poye is on fire. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, absolutely. He's Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal performer at this time. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah. agree. Superb. Utterly, in every sense, always get, getting in late for headers. Brilliant header of the ball. Brilliant skill at volleying. Um, brilliant, um, uh, just energy, non-stop. Um, and, uh, people who weren't alive then to watch him, you missed something there. Wow. What a player. Great player this, is great. His, this is his purple patch at Chelsea. And, yes. And, yeah, first twenty-one games, eleven goals, playing out of his skin. Out of his skin, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we're top of the league going into the Christmas period. Yeah. And again, history shows, you know, many times down the years, a team that was top at Christmas go on to win the league. So I would say you, you're moving into the Christmas period. I would say optimism sky high. Yeah. Oh. Well, it was for me. I mean, not least, beat. You know, we always love to beat Tottenham, and even then, you were aware that you know there was there was more at stake than just beating you know our traditional rivals you know we knew that we 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 hadn't lost to them for years even at this stage so there was that involved so to 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 but to beat them always great fun and to make and and beat them and to go top was special and i i, I there were there were there were warm things uh, you know developing in my cockles i think is the expression isn't it jk 
Where do you keep your cockles, Chinch? Well, where was it? The, the, what is it? The, 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 I can't remember your the phrase heart. now. Your heart, the cockles of your heart. That's it, the cockles of my heart. That's where the warm things were. Thanks for reminding me. For a minute, I thought they were they were the things that Phil Babbard lost. Yes. You know, I was worried they might. They be might that. have been, but I yes. was—I mean, like you, Mark, I was feeling really positive. Exactly that, you know, the team that's top at Christmas, you know, historically goes on to win the league, and I'm thinking, fuck me, we could do it. You know, I was really, really positive, and then of course it all comes crashing down the next match. Not because we lost. Uh, we we went down to the Dell um, on the 26th of December on Boxing Day, uh, a pretty routine two-nil uh, win. Uh, but guess what? Exactly the same scores as in the in the Spurs match. Poye scored on 80 and Flo on 90 against Spurs. Flo scored on 20 and Poye scored on 48 against Saints. So we win 2-0. But annoying, or I'm not, it's not even annoying. I mean, it was just appalling. Uh, Colletaire, who was uh, known as a bit of a hatchet man, apparently. I mean, it was a disgusting two-footed... He just two-foots his knee. It was awful. And Poirier goes off injured with uh, damaged knee, uh, knee ligaments. In fact, he's out for three months because he has to have surgery on the damaged knee ligaments. So that puts a, a complete dampener on what had been a, a good few days, really. Uh, Terry came on to replace him, interestingly enough. It, it changes the season, this change. Well, I think so. Right? And we'll, we'll reflect on that towards the end because, you know, yeah. let, let's get keep with the chronology also, right he only now. Got, he only got a yellow card. I know. Who was the referee? Who was the referee? Ellery. Got it in one. Yep. Wow. Yep. The yep. twat on the hill again. The Harrow schoolmaster. Absolutely. He hates. JT came on though. JT Sorry. came on for for Boya. Yeah. I mean, Ellery hates Chelsea. There's no question about it. So there you go. So that was a dampener. Then we got the New Year fixture, the last fixture of the season. Because funnily enough, we'd only played them a few days before. We get Man United at home this time. Um, it was a nil-nil draw. Were I, I presume were you, were you both there? Of course. Yeah. Of course. yeah. Interesting on the video. In the video, it says Manu versus CFC. Mm. They got it the wrong way around, mm. rather than CFC versus Manu. I just thought I'd point that out if anybody watching it. But yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Um, all, all of these games were always uh, tense. I found any Man United game, um, particularly at home, bizarrely more likely to win away most of the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I think. Um, uh, Flo missed, a goal, missed one he normally would have scored, didn't he? And then Zola should have scored. In fact, we had some very good chances in that game and should have come away winners. Didn't um, Isn't that the match where uh, I could get? I could have this completely wrong because I could... Uh, I, um, no, it's not because Wise wasn't playing. No, that's another match I'm thinking of. But anyway, yeah, it was a bit disappointing to draw. I think we had the edge of, on, on the you know, slightly in that match. But uh, again, it was a kind of a top-of-the-table match we were in uh second or first going into that weren't we and uh uh actually yeah and they were third stayed, stayed second well we still villa was still i mean i mean i'm just trying to look at the, the match right. before we were still top right when we beat saints we were top 36 points villa second 36 points united third 34 points right so we went into it on top and uh, we ended up being second because obviously villa won whoever they played don't know who they played but anyway uh, yeah, they ended up top 39 points. We were on 37, United were on 35. So uh, there we go. So that closes out uh, 1998. Uh, and then we have the rest of the season to come. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick break. 